The Neverland Podcast 007. The Neverland Podcast is brought to you this week by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash neverlandpodcast. There's over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or your MP3 player. Welcome to Neverland. Take a start of the right straight until morning. Neverland. All right, it is time once again. Grab your nearest pixie, sprinkle her around, get you some happy sauce, and we'll fly off to Neverland for a little bit more adventure this week. This week we do have a special co-host today, and it is... Hello, my name is Philip Coots. Well, you didn't have to give your last name, but that's okay. And I am, of course, once again, your host, as always, Jeremy. Well, I say as always, but uh, for anyone who remembers last week, I did say I was thinking about having my wife, Heather, host a few shows for maybe a few girl items, like some My Little Pony. Uh, I haven't checked in to see if there's been a response to that, but I'm probably just going to do it anyway, just because, I, you know, I want girls to listen, too. Because, you know, they should have some fun at Neverland. I mean, there's sure, we're the Lost Boys here, but, you know, Lost Boys like some Lost Girls, you know. <laughs> so, so well, I am thinking to do that. But here at Neverland, okay, I am going to try something a little bit new this week, and we're actually going to have. I forgot that was going to happen, so I hope that didn't record. <laughs> I won't edit that out because that was funny. Okay. <laughs> But I'm going to try something new, and I might come up with a little bumper for it here uh, by next week. But I thought, you know, we're we're trying to be, you know, we're this is let's face it, this is a geek nerd culture kind of show in its own ways, and we're be, we're big kids, so we need to talk about some comic book stuff. So I want to go through some of the news we found out about this week. Uh, first thing, and this is actually something you told me about, and I forgot to pull up the article to, to glance over, but uh, they have cast Hank Pym for the upcoming Ant-Man movie. Yes. Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas, you bet. Which is pretty cool. That is awesome. Uh, the only thing is, he's he's kind of older. Yeah. And which could, you know, for the mentor thing, would be yeah, great. Yeah, that's what we, I personally would rather have Hank Pym as Ant Man, but I'm also old school geek. So yeah. So but so but, am I. But I love the actor they have, Paul Rudd. To yes, play love Ant-Man. Paul Rudd. Yeah, be great. The, the one thing I wonder is because I would still love to see Wasp put in there because oh, I did too. like the character from the the, the cartoon uh, that uh, Disney XD had uh, the uh, uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. But, you know, you can't do a young wasp now because you want to have her about the same age as Mr. Hank yeah. Pym. So I kind of wonder if they ever get to go that far. If only Renee Russo wasn't cast as Thor's mama, I would say that'd be perfect for wasp. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. She's about that right age. But, yeah, she's Thor's mama, and she's been an excellent... Well, she is dead. Yes. Bring her back and <laughs> make her look different. Hey, it's comic book movies. You can do that. <laughs> That's right. Asgardians come back as different people. <laughs> anyway, but speaking of Thor... This, uh, ABC announced at a, a TCA panel, I still don't know what the TCA panel is, but uh, Jamie Alexander, who has been Lady Sif, who I think should have been in the second movie a lot more. I really liked her. She was really awesome. But she's coming up in the 15th episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Good. Now, um, she came to Earth apparently with a very specific mission, you know, that when she shows up. Now, I haven't kept count, so I don't know what episode number we're on, so I'll without a, a date on here I don't know exactly when this is going to happen but I'm just going to keep watching uh, I know a lot there's a lot of people I've heard that like well I wanted superheroes and I said well it's it's about shield agents so you don't really get superheroes and it's it's maybe not as exciting as some people wanted I personally I've enjoyed it but I don't watch a whole lot of TV I'm really picky and like oh look a shield show yay so I, I get excited it's not a bad show I enjoy the story of it I just sometimes think it, it it's kind of slow paced but, you know, that's okay because they're trying to build up the characters. But I love Clark Gregg as, as Phil Coulson. Oh, he's a good actor. I just love Agent Coulson, and that's pretty much what I think. What do you think of their uh, answer to him from the... I think there's more coming. I, I don't think it's over yet. I, I don't think it's over because they, they just kind of revealed, hopefully you've seen this episode, where they were kind of had programmed the whole Tahiti thing in his brain, and it had been eight days, and Nick Fury personally wanted him back. And I'm thinking, well, why did they definitely want him back other than Nick Fury's like, that's my friend. So, uh... <laughs> I hope that was not a very good Samuel L. Jackson impersonation because if you thought that sounded like Samuel L. Jackson, you need to go watch Pulp Fiction. Uh, <laughs> oh, because <laughs> that was terrible. I'm tired of these blanking snakes on this blanket. No, never mind. Eating Agent Coulson's toes. 
<laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Our next thing, I, I actually just found this today, and some of you may be disappointed by this. Some of you may be encouraged. Uh, but uh, the Batman, I don't. Some people have been calling it versus Superman, but it's, all we know is this Batman Superman. They're saying versus, but I would like to see them fight. But uh, you know, maybe not a good way to introduce Batman with having Superman fight with him. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but it has been pushed back from the July 17th, 2015 release date to May 6th, 2016. Now, this can be a good thing. I mean, usually you, you take a movie back a little bit. You get a little bit of time to work on it. Maybe rethink your casting for Batman. Uh, <laughs> ben Affleck. Uh, find somebody better than Ben Affleck. I mean, it's not that I don't like Ben Affleck, because I don't. I mean, I, I mean, I do sometimes. I'd rather have had Matt Damon, personally. I think he could have pulled it off. I personally would have Carl Urban. Yes. Carl Urban would have been. Yes. And apparently I'm not the only one that thinks that there's actually sites about Carl Urban as Batman. Oh, for any of you who don't know who Carl Urban is, uh, he's he was in the Lord of the Rings, uh, the Two Towers. He was Aomer. Uh, and also he w- he's he been Bones here in the, the last two Star Trek movies. Mm-hmm. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. He was also Judge Dredd. And the new one? I, see, yeah. I didn't see it because I heard too, it was terrible. It was far too violent. But but uh, he was also played, uh, for any Lonesome Dove fans, he played the young Woodrow. In, uh, yes, and sir. Yeah, and it was really good. Yep. <laughs> and we got, Phil is a big Lonesome Dove fan. A favorite movie. Yes, and it is good, but boy, it is it is it'll make you cry at times. And but anyways, we're not here to talk about that. That doesn't make you feel like a kid when you cry, no. or maybe it does. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but uh, uh, Dan Fellman, president of Domestic Distribution, uh, actually has a statement here on the announcement. says, we are happy to take advantage of these cover- coveted summer dates, which are perfect for two of our biggest tentpole releases. We share the fans' excitement to see DC Comics' most popular figures, Superman and Batman, together on the big screen for the first time, which will now be arriving in theaters May 2016. Uh, now, here's another thing that's kind of a side bit. They're looking at uh, doing a Peter Pan movie. It looks so. It's it's just tentatively at this point called Pan. They've got a director, Joe Wright. I'm not sure who that is. And Jason Fuchs is. I hope that's Fuchs. That's how you pronounce it. It's F U C H S. Um, so I'm going with Fuchs. Uh, he's screenwriting. So far, they have got Hugh Jackman starring in it. Now, personally, I would love to see Hugh Jackman as Captain Hook and the father. The father, yeah. So I'm hoping that's what the angle is. I can't see him as anyone else. Yeah, oh, he would be fantastic. Yeah, he uh, Yeah, because who else would you put him as? Shmee? No, yeah. he's, he's not... I mean, he can be funny. Yeah. But I, I want a funny Shmee, if possible. Joe Pesci. Joe, <laughs> yes! Joe Pesci with Shmee! Brilliant! I would love that. Hey, you talking to me, Captain? You talking to me? Of course you're talking to me. That, yeah, that crocodile's out there to get you. Anyway, they will screw you with the crocodile. Anyway... <laughs> But it's supposed to be a new take on the classic character from J.M. Barry, uh, which is an orphan is taken to the magical world of Neverland, becomes the savior of the natives, and leads a rebellion against evil pirates. They have a release date set for July 17th, 2015, so I guess that might be part of the reason why they wanted to push back Batman and Superman as they don't really compete with themselves for summer movies. Yeah. I guess that would make sense, because yeah, summer release is perfect, and that's even one of the things with the new Star Wars release date, you know, the one to put out in December, yeah... Christmas movies are great, but Star Wars feels better during the summer. They're bringing that out in the, in the Christmas time? December 18th. Oh, no, no, no. For the new Star Wars. I'd rather do that. Um, and speaking of... They've all been in May. So, uh, yeah, so they've all been in May. This one's set for December. Uh, but episode 7, remember last week I talked that there were some rumors about Disney putting together some uh, a, a team to figure out what is actually going to be canon in the Star Wars universe. Uh, and they've built a sand crawler building in Singapore... I guess to kind of catch up or whatever to to discuss everything. I don't know why they had to build something in Singapore uh, with Lucasfilm. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I don't know why Disney is building an Iron Man ride in Tokyo and not in the States. Uh, but anyways, Kathleen Kennedy said that there is no attempt being made to carry characters from the standalone films in and out of the saga episodes. Consequently, from the creative standpoint, it's a roadmap that George made pretty clear. The canon that he created was the Star Wars saga. Right now, Episode 7 falls within that canon. The spin-off movies, or we may come up with some other way to call those films, they exist within the vast universe that he created. Uh, so I don't know if that really answers any of the questions like how the books fit in or any of the games or anything like that. But I guess they were talking at least about the standalone films they were talking about doing, and I guess they are considering to be... You know, kind of a canon, and they don't really want to call them spinoff, uh, but it's going to fit with some story. So, because apparently they're going to get some background story for Han Solo, maybe fill in some gaps with Boba Fett to what happened after his father had died, 
mm-hmm. you know, and how he grew up, you know. So I'm excited to see it. I would love to see a Han movie. Uh, yeah. Where because he was with the Empire and then apparently rescued Chewbacca. Yeah, and when he turned, I want to see it. You could get a young teenager that uh, Harrison Ford could kind of, you know, train. You could say as far as how to behave. How to behave like it? Because River Phoenix, unfortunately, is no longer yeah. here. Yeah, uh, he was such a great young indie. Yeah, he wouldn't be uh, young now anyway. Yeah, but. he wouldn't be young now anyway. But uh, I, but if 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 he was still around and at that age, uh, but of course now he's supposed to be an Imperial officer at the time he saves Chewie. So I don't know. How far back they want to go? Because yeah. you, you could get he somebody looks who's like, as far as the pictures I've seen drawn, he, they always used to make a maybe nineteen year old or twenty year old looking Harrison Ford looking guy. Maybe know? get the version kind of like from American Graffiti, how he looked. Yeah, there. pretty much. Really kind of young looking guy. So, but anyways, yes, the, the December eighteenth, twenty fifteen release date is still on. And I have heard some rumor, uh, and this, uh, um, go ahead, and that there's going to be some influences by Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, and Harrison Ford, at least in the first movie. Uh, I've been reading some stuff where they're talking about that they want to, instead of just drop you into new characters, hand it over in the first movie. So, so you get to see, you know, Leia, Han, and, and Luke, and then by the second movie, you're on to some new characters and some new stories. I personally hope that they make some appearances in all of them, but as, yeah. but as far as the one character that should be through the whole thing, I'd say would be the older Luke. The uh, the guy who's kind of training the new Jedi. Yeah, himself. Mark Hamill at least in there. Yeah, because Harrison Ford, boy, I tell you what, he's, he's he's pretty lively for a man his age. But you know, he, he I'm, I'm worried he ain't gonna last through the uh, <laughs> the whole filming of these because it's gonna take at least well, there's ta- there's nine years, of, and he's like mid seventies. There's now. talks of uh, talks of doing a new Indiana Jones as well, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, and I I personally think recast Josh Brolin and go back to World War II. <laughs> so if anybody, if you have an opinion on that, please do send it to podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. Who would you like to see play Indiana Jones if not Harrison Ford? Uh, now, I'm going to pull up a website real quick that I, oop, I just mistyped. Uh, here we go. Uh, this is something, I had heard some rumors on this, and so I started looking in on this, and I'm going to bring this up mainly because I've been having a Chuck Marathon since it's on Netflix. Um... But there is some news, and it turns out that this is completely legitimate. And so a website has gone up, thechuckmovie.com, because Zach Levi has himself said that he is moving for it. And uh, he has already personally funded a movie. Uh, I forgot the... Uh, oh, look, there's a Chuck podcast. Hey, cool. Uh, I'm going to start listening to that, and now I've just plugged them on my podcast. <laughs> but, uh, yes, uh, Zachary Levi has actually said on a, a YouTube video that was promoting the Thor The Dark World that he is actually pushing to get a Chuck movie going. And uh, he said it's going to take some time. People are kind of speculating that we might see it sometime maybe in 2015. Uh, so <laughs> hopefully this is going. I did learn some actually some interesting um, factoids here. Uh, Phil and I have dis- have previously discussed on our own um, that, you know, it was kind of odd seeing Zach Levi. I love the guy. Oh, but too. having him pop up in Thor The Dark World was kind of different. It was sort of a different character for him that we couldn't quite picture as being... Uh, I always get the name wrong. It's like Fandrell or whatever. Uh, but I did I did uh, learn that actually Zach Levi had been cast to play that same character in the first movie. Oh, really? Yeah. But uh, Chuck got extended into that fifth season, so he ended up had to finish his commitment with Chuck. And so they cast that, that other actor. I don't remember his name. I'm sorry. Uh, and he, he did an excellent job in the first movie, and I, I thought he was great. Uh, but yeah, he, he had a real Carrie use appeal about it. Yeah, you know? <laughs> he did. Uh, but he's actually in Once Upon a Time, and so he's got had commitments for that. Oh, he's and, uh, Hook, I think. Oh. I could be wrong. I thought he was too young and handsome for that role, but that's just me. Yeah, <laughs> might be. Uh, but so because of that, Zach Levi actually had time to come and be in the second Thor movie. So if there's a Thor movie or if that character is ever going to appear in an Avengers movie, maybe it'll be Zach Levi again. I'm, you know, he's maybe. he's a big comic book fan, so him being in a Marvel movie is awesome. I personally would love just for the the the, the Chuck Love that I have for him to pop up in Agents of Shield. Yeah, <laughs> I would get it such, a, especially if he was actually coming in, pretty much playing Chuck, but a different name. It's actually a different character, but he's pretty much Chuck. He could have been a Hank Pym himself. Really. Yes, <laughs> he could have been Ant Man. But yeah. I love Paul Rudd though. Oh, me too. And he's a local guy for us. Uh, yeah. You know, he's he's from the area we live in around in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, he, I think he's from Overland Park. Like uh, I might be getting that wrong. Uh, but anyways, that is the news for the week. Cha-ching. Okay, before we continue on, want to give you a reminder that for you, the listeners, because you're special, the listeners of the Neverland Podcast, because I love all of you, 
Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Uh, now, I did mention last week, and I figure it's still there, they do have The Hobbit <laughs> Unabridged by J.R.R. Tolkien. And, you know, for some of you, you know, you're you're kind of a, kind of a reader, Phil, right? Oh, yeah, here you, you like, But if you could listen to it on audiobook, you would... You'd, oh, you know, absolutely. You'd I probably do more books. Uh, I mean, if you're in the car, you're in your office, you're working, an audiobook is a great way to do it. So, once again, go to... Well, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash Podcast. Again, that is audibletrial.com slash Podcast. And you go through, you download you some audio books, you listen at work, you listen in the car, you become a happy guy. <laughs> and they have some Star Wars books. They might have some of those Star Trek books. I haven't gotten a chance to review their library, but, you know, go search out what you're interested in. I had a uh, an audio Star Wars, Star Trek book one time that was written and also uh, narrated by William Shatner. What was it called? I Honestly, at the time, he did like three or four, but I don't remember which one it was. I just know that he did a great job, and he also impersonated a lot of other characters, and it was fun. Well, maybe that's on Audible. I don't know. Search. Go explore. There's a treasure trove of stuff. But anyways, moving on. Uh, today we're going to do something fun. We're going to get some serious retro going on, which is why the Phil is here. You bet. Because uh, we both grew up in the 80s. That's right. And uh, we're even going to talk about a few shows before the 80s, but I, I kind of noticed a trend that there were uh, like a lot of different TV shows that focused around like a maid or a nanny or, or something like butler. that. Or a butler. And they, they'd center the show around that character. Yeah. And it carried on for a while. Now, there's an argument to be made that the reason that they don't do that so much anymore is maybe the common person can't quite relate because most of us can't afford a live-in butler. Uh, so maybe there was a disconnect uh, or something. Maybe. But it worked back then. Yeah, it seems like to me like the maid or the butler or whoever was kind of the common person who's helping solve the problems of the family. Yeah. And it, it made that person outside of the family in a family comedy that could... Uh, you know, step in, as you say, and kind of help fix the problems. Uh, but without further ado, we've got a few that we're going to kind of bring in as an honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the, the show wasn't centered around them, but maybe the character was just so special that you have to bring it up. And the first one that I want to bring up is simply this one right here. talk about the Jetsons this uh, wonderful animated sitcom that first started in 1962 to 1963 and uh, of course then it went into uh, Saturday mornings yep. I'm sure that's when a lot of us saw back it. in the 80s back in the 80s yeah. yeah and from 1984 to 1987 they made uh, new episodes and with Orbity as you mentioned and we all enjoyed that show I did anyway. yeah did you and yeah it's, I think the Jetsons really owes its uh, potential uh, success from the Flintstones being out yeah. previously yeah that's why they uh, they did that in fact we were talking about the maids and butlers 
And the mate of that show, of course, was who, Jeremy? Rosie! Rosie, who was voiced by the great Gene Vander Pyle or... Or Pill. Or Pill, We're not sure how to say her name. She's got actually a history back on radio. Uh, I like to listen to old radio comedy and stuff like that, and I'd recognize, oh, look, it's Wilma! Yeah. Uh, You know, she'd be on some old shows, and it was great to even... uh, There was a show I love listening to, their Christmas episode. Um, uh, Life with Luigi, I think was the name of the show, and uh, Luigi was supposed to be an immigrant from uh, from Italy who had come over, and his sponsor was actually a character uh, that was played by uh, the guy who was Fred Flintstone later, and I forgot his name off the yeah. top of my head. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember his name. Oh, uh, you can't remember it either. Oh, but yeah, so it's kind of neat that some of these people in these early cartoons were big radio stars before. Mel Blank being one of them. Yeah, uh, Mel Blank was on radio all over the place. Of course, uh, he was... Uh, uh, Mr. Spacely from the Jetsons. Yes, Mr. Spacely. Now, getting us back into the Jetsons. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so Rosie, uh, I remember the first episode where her she appeared. Um, I, I guess it was, yeah, it was um, Jane had gotten where she was just tired of pressing buttons and just felt like she needed help. <laughs> and uh, they couldn't really afford a maid. And so they go and buy basically a rust bucket kind of old thing, you know, mm-hmm. this used thing. And George was just kind of conceding like, all right, we'll try out for a day. But really, like, I don't know if we can afford this. And, and oh, my gosh, Mr. Spacely's coming over for dinner. What do we do? <laughs> and so there's like this panic mode. And uh, so, you know, he comes over and... Um, and you know, there George is trying to get a raise, and so you know, as Mister Spacely, he's kind of in his head when he sees Rosie the robot, and they're trying to hide her. You know, he's like, "Well, you don't need a raise if you can afford a maid." And she makes you know this weird leftovers kind of casserole and serves it, and he, Mister Spacely's just loving it. But uh, when Rosie overhears Mister Spacely telling George, "Well, you don't need a raise, and you whatever, you know all this stuff," she gets mad and clobbers Mister Spacely with a, it was like a pineapple upside down cake. Which later, Mr. Spacely calls in, like, that's the best pineapple upside-down cake I've ever got clobbered with. <laughs> so, But my favorite Rosie moment, other than that, has to be, um, and I don't remember if this was part of the original series or it was a later one, but she's kind of making fun of Judy Jetson with a, this is Judy Jetson in love, tra la 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 <laughs> This is Judy Jetson out of love. <laughs> so... <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, it's, it's my favorite Rosie moment. It was just so funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was one of those uh, important times back then in the 80s. You always had to have it made, it seemed like, in order to get things right. Yes, and we've got other shows to talk about, but I can't go further without talking about Rosie uh, without mentioning Mac. Oh, yes. Mac, the little utility... Well, uh-huh. I, I, I want to call him a utility droid. Yeah. Uh, hello, R2-D2. But Mac, yeah. who was built by uh, Henry, the maintenance the, man. Uh, the janitor, yeah. And it was so cute. They had a weird kind of romance between him and Rosie. So, But yes, Rosie, you didn't have the show centered on you, but honorable mention because we love ya. Now the world don't move to the beat of just one drum. What might be right for you may not be right for some. A man is born, he's a man of means. Then along come two, they got nothing but to cheese. Okay, Different Strokes obviously was not about the maid, no. but it has a very famous maid. Mm-hmm. Well, at least in the first seasons. I don't remember how long she stuck around, but Different Strokes, uh, it aired from November 3rd, 1978 to May 4th, 1985. Uh, well, that was on NBC. On ABC, it apparently moved over on September 27th, 1985 to March 7th, 1986. Uh, it starred Gary Coleman, uh, Todd Bridges, um, as you know, a couple of uh, I don't know how we want to phrase this. By the way, Happy Martin Luther King Day tomorrow. Um, I th- say his dream will never be refilled until we take the word race out of the opi- uh, the whole thing, unless we're talking about the human race. Mm-hmm. Every color should be a descriptive term, and we should just love everybody because we're all humans here. Uh, so, but for for descriptive terms, there was two black children who were brought into a and they were poor and they were brought into the home of a wealthy rich white guy. 
uh, played by Conrad Bain, you know, Mr. Drummond, Philip Drummond. Mm-hmm. And so they're brought in, and it made a wonderful dynamic, and uh, it really, uh, uh, it, it, it helped bring in that cultural thing to show kind of the different things and how we can actually kind of come together and be like family. You know, it was a great dynamic of the show. Mm-hmm, I think, I agree. Uh, and had Dana Plato in there, on, yeah. you know, very sad. You know, she was very cute back in the day, but uh, very sad and tragic life uh, and ending. That's this um, whole show is kind of like that in the long run. Of the different strokes, there was a whole bunch of sad things, except for Tom yeah. Bridges. Yeah, yeah. Tom, well, Tom Bridges, he had his problems, but he straightened up. That's what I'm saying. He came yeah, back. Yeah, he, he come back around because uh, even you know, um, um, Gary Coleman had a kind of an odd life, but. Uh, he, he didn't get into trouble as much, so, no. though. Uh, but anyways, the reason why we're bringing this show up is because the great Charlotte Ray was on there as Mrs. Garrett. Mm-hmm. Now, Mrs. Garrett, most of you at least should remember from... Yes, the facts of life. Mrs. Garrett got her own show. That's right. And she still was kind of cleaning up after a bunch of kids, uh, yeah. in a way, cleaning up their messes. And that, boy, that show went on for a long time. And that's that's how I first was introduced to Mrs. Garrett. And it wasn't until, like, uh, on syndication, when Different Strokes was on syndication, that I saw the early seasons with Mrs. Garrett as the maid. But now, it is worth an honorable mention on Different Strokes that they did have a new maid. And I don't recall her name. They had a couple of them. Yeah, they had a couple of them, but uh, there was one of the maids that actually was later did a lot of voice work and is actually Mrs. Puff on SpongeBob SquarePants. There you so go. we got to give her a shout out, even if I can't remember your name. I'm sorry. Somebody is probably now yelling at their iPhone or something and saying, It was blah! So sorry, go ahead Ms. and yell at me. That's sorry, okay. Mrs. I can take Bly. it. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> new boy in the neighborhood lives downstairs. Understood. He's there just to take good care of me Like he's one of the family Charles in charge of our days and our nights Charles in charge of our wrongs and our rights And I charge now i never saw this show on a network i only saw saw it i only saw it on syndication but uh, you actually found this on hulu yeah only season one but i've been watching that and it was interesting is uh i don't know how many seasons they did this or not but at least on the first season he had a whole family he would take care of and i know at some point and i'm thinking of season two they end up getting a completely different family so somehow i don't know how it's supposed to work because I, I don't have season two to watch but i'm wondering how it is that the living help stays there and his friend stays there, but the whole family changes. <laughs> it makes me wonder if maybe the network only carried it for that first season and then ditched it and they managed to land in syndication, but they just tried to revitalize and just had a new family. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Makes you wonder. Maybe the family wasn't uh, as loved as he was or something. Yeah. Well, they, they didn't have Nicole Eggert in there who would later be on Baywatch. Yeah. yeah and, so. uh, uh, I with with doing a little bit of research thing, I did find out. Yeah, well, I, she got famous for uh, doing some other type of things later before yeah. being on Baywatch. Yeah, she did. Uh, and then uh, lately, actually, made an appearance uh, on the what was that show called? Splash. 
Uh, it was a diving show where she had gained a lot of weight, and she was working working some of that weight off uh, yeah, on the diving she's, show. She's done that. So, you know, hopefully she's, you know, getting healthier and everything, and I was really pulling for Lurie Anderson. But anyways, Charles in charge. Mm-hmm. Scott Bayo Yeah. From the really awful spinoff from Happy Days, Joni Loves Chachi. Well, he was on Happy Days for a long time. Right, too. he was on Happy Days, but Happy Days was falling apart. I think to me, when that when you took Ron Howard out there without Richie, it wasn't the same. When he first showed up, Richie was still there, but yeah, right. it was. Uh, it didn't take long for it to fall apart. And it became the Fonzie show, and you know I loved Henry Winkler and Fonzie. Still do, yeah. But uh, yeah, you can't base the whole show around him. That'd be like turning Family Matters completely into the Urkel show. Oh, that's right, they did, and it tanked. <laughs> we get tired of Urkel. Uh, it was fun at first, but that's one of those shows I cannot go back and rewatch. Less is more, right? Less is more. Uh, and Jaleel White, where are we at? Do something cool again, you know, because I, I, he's a great actor to pull that character off. Uh-huh. Uh, and there was some show he came back to do. But anyways, uh, Charles in charge. We're focused. We're focused. Uh, so Charles, Charles was... I, he's not, I guess, not quite a nanny because the kids well, were older. What happened, at least in the first one, the kids were a little younger, the first series, where they were like around 10, and one of them was 14, one was 10, one was 8, and it or one was 12, one was 10. Anyway, the point is, is that what it happened, he was a college student that couldn't afford his own place. Of course, he's trying to, to, uh, to go through college and all that. It takes a lot of money. So he would live with them. Uh, in the basement, or at least one of the basement rooms. Yeah. He would live down there with them, and he would take care of the kids. He'd feed them, make sure everything was going right, because Charles was in charge. That's right. And then he would, uh, <laughs> basically most of his money went toward school. That's how it worked. Yep, yep. And, of course, his friend, Buddy, Buddy. Limbeck, uh, played, oh, I forgot Willie his Ames. name. <laughs> Willie Ames, the great Willie Ames. The Bible actually, man. <laughs> yeah, he's he was Bible man now, but he was on Eight is Enough before that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, after Charles in Charge, you know, kind of became a Christian and has actually done a series of videos. Uh, called Bible Man, and he actually lives, uh, I believe, in Overland Park, Kansas, yeah, not Kansas too far man. from us. So it's kind of cool. He's another local kind of guy. Last thing I saw him on, uh, there was like a, a celebrity fit club or something. Yeah. That his trainer came over, woke him up early, and Willie Ames came around with the hose and uh, was trying to resist his exercise routine. Uh, so <laughs> that kind of that's bad press right there. But sometimes bad press is good press because it was funny. Uh, so, but yes, Charles in charge. Now I've got something special. I don't know if you've ever gotten to hear this, Philip, but there's a band called Reliant K that years ago on one of their albums actually did a cover of the Charles in Charge theme. Oh, cool! So just because it's fun, I'm going to play it right now. Hey, Charles, check this out. This is fat. New boy in the neighborhood lives downstairs, and it's understood he's there just to take good care of me. Like he's one of the family On your show Charles in charge of all days and our nights Charles in charge of our wrongs and our rights So I say I want Charles in charge of me Oh 
So that was Reliant K playing the theme to Charles in Charge and with a little tribute to Nicole Eggert in the middle. They say, yes, give me a date with the girl from Baywatch and on your show. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, all right, now we got to move on. This was actually um, when I was a kid. I, I, I don't know if this show got – well, I think syndication did pick it up for a while. But uh, this woman has passed away. Uh, she was I, oh. I never heard of her, but I think she must have been famous for stand-up or something beforehand uh, because she was a hoot. Uh, but the show I'm about to talk about is called Give Me a Break. Give me a break, I sure deserve it. It's time I made it to the top. Give me a break, I'm looking forward. Get behind me, pull out every star. I want a happy ending, tired of pretending. Let them get the best of me. So that was also sung by Nellie Ruth Nell Harper, uh, which she, of course, well, well Nell Carter was yeah. her, her, her name that she used for stage. And she would sing, apparently. Yeah, she And was very singing. famous about that. She was singing on commercials for cotton and everything else you could think of. <laughs> well, she was good. She was awesome. She was good. She was so lovable. And it was, all right, so so this show here, uh, this ran from 1981 until 1987, six seasons on NBC. And uh, so you had this widowed police chief, uh, played by Dolph Sweet, mm-hmm. and had these three daughters. Some of them were pretty cute. One of them, the youngest daughter, I swear I have seen her on commercials now. Probably have. Uh, like uh, the the one, was, uh, the, I think for Fiber One, uh, like granola bars, where she's up in the middle of the night and she's hiding that she's she's got this famous recipe she's won all these awards for. For these granola bars, and her husband catches her unpacking them from the Fiber One box and putting them there, and says, "Ah, so here's your great secret." That woman there, I swear, was the youngest daughter on on Give Me a Break. The brunette. Yes, the brunette. Uh, I think I've seen her some other ones. I'm I, I you couldn't quote me on it, but I swear that's got to be her. The face is still the same. The hair is different because she had this crazy curly hair back <laughs> on the show. But anyways, Nell Carter comes in as a character named Nell. Uh-huh. It was and, for, uh huh. And well, yeah, Nell Ruth, Nell Harper, Nellie Ruth <laughs> Harper was the name of the character. Um, who came in to work as a maid, and uh, I mean, heck, even the theme had some funny stuff where she's trying to learn the ropes, and she bends over to pick something up while she's got the vacuum cleaner and sucks down the, the fish from the aquarium. Yeah. I loved my that. favorite episode. I remember talking about this with your mom and dad the first time we came over to uh, to eat at Gerald's house. But the episode where uh, she and the chief went on a diet, and it was hilarious. <laughs> yes. I remember that one kind of. Yeah, it was, it was great. They go on a diet and they're not losing any weight. Well, she she was starving herself, and by the time she went to get on the scale, she goes, "You liar!" and she starts choking it. <laughs> yes, and then, yes. Then they go on a binge and they just eat out the whole <laughs> fridge. It was great. Oh, it was great. I also I loved the episode where uh, they had Sammy Davis Jr. in there. Oh yeah, they got a call from Sammy Davis Jr. Love yeah, love yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that was, and I had not heard of Sammy Davis Jr. up until that point. Oh, I love sort of it. like Night Court introduced me to Mel Torme. You know. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, so a lot of great old school singers that now you know we're we're old school. I love listening to that stuff me now. Me too. So, but yeah, it was a great show. I remember had her sister. I remember uh, her. It was her and her sister, and they talk about even a memory of where they used to sing together. And there's this really funny moment where uh, Nell goes through and it's like, well, I was going to be Diana Ross, and she's shaking her thing all over, and she was a big woman, so it was great. She was just selling it. And about halfway through the show, Dolph had uh, passed away, and so yeah. they had to work that into the show, and uh, that was always sad, but it was a good show. I always loved it. Yeah, oh, and, and that's show. where Joey Lawrence became Yes, and Joey his brother, Lawrence. his brother later on came in, Matt, yeah. Matt Lawrence. Yeah, first appearance, he was just a little guy. That and Trains, Planes, and Automobiles was the first thing I seen him on. <laughs> I didn't see Trains, Planes, and Automobiles. I should watch that. Great movie. Although, I can't recommend that, when, since we're talking about childhood, I can't recommend that to your children. No. Uh, especially <laughs> for a scene that Philip has told me about many times.
Now, you might wonder, why are we talking about soap? That wasn't about a butler. Well, we want to talk about Robert Guillaume's character, Benson, uh -huh. who started on soap to later go on to... You know, that's so funny. When I was a kid, I never watched soap, but I did recall watching the show that he spun off to. Benson, which was centered around a guy who's going, he wasn't really necessarily the butler, but he was working for the governor of, um, I forgot which state, uh, but it, it ran from September 13th, 1979 to April 19th, 1986 on ABC. It was a spinoff, as I said, from Soap. And uh, he had actually, you know, he was kind of wisecracking, level-headed guy. Uh, he was hilarious on Soap. Well, I did come back yeah. and see some of it later. Uh, and uh, this one, though, uh, so you got Benson Dubois. He's hired at the, as the head of household affairs. Uh, for it, it, it was a widowed governor, uh, Eugene Gatling, plays by James Noble. I loved him. He was great. Yeah. Uh, Missy Gold, who Katie. Now, I believe Missy Gold was the older sister of Tracy Gold, who was later on Growing Pains. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Because when you look at them, they look enough alike. So I'm pretty sure they were, they were related. Here? Huh? Oh, Missy Gold. Yeah, Missy yeah. Gold. Uh, and then, oh, this was, you know, I guess um, the governor was also the cousin of Jessica Tate, played by Catherine Hellman, uh, who was on Soap, uh, who later Catherine Hellman, of course, was on uh, another show we're going to talk about, Who's the Boss, here in just a little bit. Uh, so there was kind of that connection and everything, and so Benson had some housekeeping dilemmas, not getting along with, uh, oh, the, the Gretchen, the, the cook, uh, Wil Wilhelmina Klaus. Uh, by, played by Inga Swenson. Now, one of uh, she was apparently also on soap. But the the one episode, speaking of the um, of 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 Kraus, uh, that I remembered is there was this weird like nightmare uh, that they had had that there was some sort of event and I can't remember what it was that caused like the end of the world and the only two people left to populate the earth was Benson and Kraus. And so they had to get married and start having children. And he was having this nightmare where they actually couldn't even leave the governor's mansion because I, maybe it was nuclear. I don't know. But you couldn't go outside. And But they had their children around and everything. And they were forced to kind of get along even though they absolutely hated each other. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it was a great series. There was a short time, um, I think in the late 90s, that... I think TV Lane picked up Benson and started airing it, and I loved watching it all over again. But really, it's it seems like it's a forgotten show. Mm -hmm. And it seems like is it James Noble? Is it he was a governor? Is he the one? Uh, I, I'm pretty sure he's the one who ended up being a lot of the Star Trek shows. I could be wrong, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's him because I've seen the pictures of him yelling at Benson and seen uh, things of that. And yeah, he's the one who did doing a lot of Star Trek roles. Uh, pretty famous from Deep Space Nine and all that. Oh, pretty sure that's James. Oh, I could be wrong about the name though. Who well, there is a very famous guy, Rene. I can always get his name wrong. Albergenois or Genois. I I know he's got a French name. Uh, he was this really kind of spastic character on Benson. He's always stressed out, but he later on uh, he was on Star Trek. He was yeah. uh, what Odo is that yeah, character's maybe that's name? What I'm thinking of, yeah. Might be you might be thinking of him. Uh, then he was also the Scarecrow on Batman the Animated Series. Oh, was he? So I didn't good. know that. Yeah. Yes. Oh, he was so good. Um, but yeah, he's great voice actor. He does a lot of voices. He even sings Les Poissons and Little Mermaid. Yeah, because that was him. He also appeared. Uh, he's appeared several times on Frasier back in the. When that was on. <laughs> he was as his kind of psychiatrist for the psychiatrist, and, <laughs> and he was on so many shows. He's just, he, that guy's hilarious. Yep, and he, I, he's still with us, right? No, oh he, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Okay, sure. I, I was about to say. I hope he hasn't passed away because I no. do love his stuff, and uh, I, I think. Oh yeah, he was even in, in Ratatouille. Yes. Um, he was the uh, oh, I forgot the character's name the really rotten little mean little chef 
little guy. He was kind of the sort of the villain of the of the movie. I mean, there wasn't really a villain villain, but he was the uh, antagonist. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, yes, Benson, great show. And uh, since I did mention Catherine Helm. Some of you are going to get that. Some of you aren't. Uh, but you know that was funny. Mad Magazine actually did a parody of Who's the Boss and actually did have a picture of Tony Danza they drawn where he's pointing to his shirt that said, I'm the boss, and uh, Judith Light, uh, who yeah. played uh, Angela, uh-huh. standing behind him and like arms crossed like, oh, no, you ain't. Yeah. So, uh, But yeah, Who's the Boss was kind of a different spin on things because suddenly you had a man as a maid uh-huh. who was there to clean the house of a wealthy Connecticut woman who was into marketing and had... Uh, her son, Jonathan, and I forgot uh-huh. who played him. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Alyssa Milano was introduced to the world, and uh, and a lot of boys' crushes went all over the place, all over her. Yeah. Uh, well, she was cute. She still command- is. Commando's daughter. Commando's <laughs> daughter, that's right. I will save you. I never have seen that movie. Oh, I haven't. I know. I'll. <laughs> we'll talk about 80s action movies eventually. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, so here's... And Catherine Hellman, of course, was on... I forgot the character. Mona. Mona. Who came on there with a, a, a fun character, kind of... Um, trashy in a way. Trashy in a way. <laughs> but kind of fun. Like, we were we were actually just talking... Uh, easy to get along with. Easy to get along <laughs> with. Uh, Frank Sinatra made an appearance on this show. Oh, it was great. fantastic. And it's funny, because... Um, uh, so Tony is over in like a mirror and kind of adjusting himself his tuxedo and everything and Mona's just walking in and he doesn't know it and he's thinking that's why the lady is a tramp and Mona says hey who you calling a lady <laughs> uh, it was great but having the chairman of the board walking in there on that show the boss, the boss. that was a fantastic but I loved the show it was it was great for it, it, when they developed they had that dynamic of uh, and uh, the first time I think I really kicked in this dynamic is where Tony's going to go and take himself a bath and walks in and sees Angela naked. And it began this nice kind of like attraction kind yeah. of thing that was going on between the two of them. It was that underneath that A-O. was slowly. Oh, wait. That made the show really kind of pick up. Although, unfortunately, when it had them get married, I, I don't know, the show lost something, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't uh, quite as good. It wasn't quite as good when they were a married couple. But, you know, it was one of the things you were, like, happy when it happened, but it was hard to keep the series going because they'd built up that uh, tension, as mm-hmm. you will, uh, all of that time. Uh, but it was it was great because, you know, he's trying to raise his daughter and everything and then trying to, you know, the, the son is going through his own different things as he grows up. Uh, so it was it was a fun dynamic and a lot of different funds and a lot of different uh, personnel because you got the inner city guy you know who who would he what he was supposed to have played for the St Louis Cardinals yeah street smart a street smart kind of guy who was just going on and cleaning the house and it was funny seeing the things he'd do with the vacuum cleaner and picking it up and doing the drapes in the uh-huh. uh, opening uh, great great show a lot of fond memories and uh, boy you know if the, I wish that was still on TV that I could I would find I bet it is somewhere. Uh, but I would, I'd watch that show again. Oh, me too. A lot of people kind of like to make fun of that show now, but I loved it. Streaks on the china never mattered before. Who cared when you drop kicked your jacket as you came through the door? No one glared, but sometimes things get turned around and no one spared. All hands look out below There's a change in the status quo Gonna need all the help that we can get According to our new arrival Life is more than mere survival 
We just might live the good life yet And I always remember that big hit on the, the end of the, the, the theme there, that bam, is him with the remote click. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't you uh, tell us about Mr. Belvedere and start us off here. All right. Mr. Belvedere is an American sitcom that originally aired on ABC from March, uh, March 15th, 1985 until July 8th, 1990. Um, now, do you said this is based off of a... Uh... Yes, it was a character created by Lynn Aloysius. I know, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce her name. So, if my but it was a novel, a 1947 novel, Belvedere, and it was later into a night. It was developed into a 1948 film, Star uh, Sitting Pretty. And uh, so, when you get to a series, you got Christopher Hewitt, which I've never seen him. I don't think in any other shows, but he takes a, a job as a housekeeper mm-hmm. with an American family headed by George Owens, who was played by the great Bob, Bob U- Uecker. Bob Uecker, Mister Baseball, Mister Baseball, Mister Baseball. <laughs> and he even uh, I, I kind of remember like on uh, Saturday mornings uh, during you know the cartoons they would have like a little baseball segments, and Bob Uecker would kind of host. And they Bob Uecker would... also hosted some of the best WrestleManias. Oh, yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> he was also uh, on the movie Major League, he, on both of them. The I didn't see two. those. Oh, he, he was hilarious on there. you got to love Bob. Oh, but anyways, but this show was about Mr. Belvedere, uh, and he was very British. He was coming in, and he basically took their kind of... It was fun with the uh, the culture of... He was taking this kind of, you know, we're baseball, we're we're all American, and he's bringing this dignified sort English. of life, English life to them, and like, yes, you need to have afternoon tea, you know, kind of thing. One of the best things for me on that show, because maybe I was about the same age as the kid, but Wesley, yes, Wesley was such a smart aleck little oh. punk, and uh, and Mr. Belvedere was so proper and polite, and to see those two always going at it, always clashing, and yet at the end. Uh, whenever it ended, you see Wesley hugging him, telling him how much he loves him, and it was, yeah. it was really great. <laughs> yeah, well, and I remember one episode where Wesley, pulling, trying to pull a prank on Mr. Belvedere, actually nearly got him deported. Yeah. Oh, and I, that you know that was the first time I'd ever heard of a, you know like how immigration works and a, you know having a green card and being being allowed. And, you know, I, so I didn't know how you moved from one country to another. I didn't know that how complicated it can really be. Uh, so yeah, that was kind of an interesting episode. The other one that always sticks out on my mind is uh, the oldest son uh-huh. uh, was uh, Rob Stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember his his character's name. Uh, I think it was David, wasn't it? Or maybe um, not. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but anyways, there was one time he came home trashed. I mean, just drunk as yeah. anything. They had to help him up the stairs. And so you know, every eighty sitcom had to deal with like teenage drinking at yeah. some point. And I, I, I kind of like the solution, although I don't, you know, don't try this at home because it wouldn't work. It was funny, though. But so uh, Bob Uecker, as the father, comes in with a bunch of beers and he says, oh, well, you want to be a drinking man? Well, hey, we'll just go and do more. And, uh, you know, was trying to get the son going. And the son, though, had felt so horrible with the hangover and the feeling sick that he was like, oh, gosh, no, Dad, I don't even want to see this stuff. Well, that was it was interesting for a show, but I think in real life, if a parent tried to just give their kid the stuff, the kid was already there with it. Um, the kid would probably be like, "Hey, cool, thanks, Dad." Yeah. Basically, he's trying to give him too much of what he wanted, and that would, yeah, that would yeah. make him kind but, of backfire. Yeah. <laughs> with a modern teenager, that wouldn't work. No, <laughs> they would. You would wind up uh, in jail for uh, delinquency of a minor. You know, you're attributing so. I remember a lot of things dealing with that character. I remember the the son. I remember. Uh, him being pressured to give in to premarital sex and all yeah. that. And I remember Mr. Belvedere telling him to wait and that it's okay whenever he feels led and all that. And I, I thought it was kind of nice. Yeah. Like this show. There was a lot of lessons they used to teach back in the 80s that nowadays would be considered, well, that's so ancient, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, teenagers not drinking or wait until you're married for sex, you or, know. Or in love, I think is what they said. But yeah, still, they would always way. do in love, but, you know, I took it as for marriage. Me and that's, too. You know, that was that was our plan. Uh, worked out pretty well for me. Anyways, that's I don't want to get onto social issues here. Uh, but yeah, that was the type of lessons that you would get from 80s television shows. And at some point, that all changed where there's not really, in, in a lot of modern sitcoms, I don't find so much a lesson in the these modern shows. There's no moral lesson anymore like there was in the 80s where they were trying to, uh, you know, but the, the, the only hiccup they really had with that in the 80s is every sitcom would deal with the exact same issues. Yeah. At some point, there would be, here's the alcohol episode. Here's the sex episode. Um, here's the other drugs. You know, even, yeah, the drugs episode. The, the drinking uh, and driving. Different <laughs> Strokes went into the Strangers thing. There was a two-parter, remember, on Different Strokes yeah. where Arnold and Kimberly were actually... Uh, 
taken in by this guy who uh, distracted Arnold with a bunch of videos of Jess and everything while he was trying to, um, uh, well, we'll just say abuse Kimberly yeah. in another room. Uh, so that was dealing with a big issue, and I think that's the only show that I think really dealt with that. But yeah, it seemed like they were dealing with the same thing. So I guess it was some point in the 90s they figured, well, these issues have been beat to death, and now we got to do something different. And uh, so you really, we've kind of gotten away from uh, things that you can kind of take away from a show to say, you know, I'm going to remember that. Although still, in, occasionally in a movie, you do get a lesson. Uh, I want, you know, like the movie Frozen gives a real dichotomy of love versus fear, and what fear does to one person, and the things they'll do, uh, and actually do some wrong things because of fear, and what love can do to kind of redeem that person. Uh, so I, mean, I, I still like, you know, when you have a good theme that gives you a lesson, something to think about when you go away. But we've really gotten away from that on TV, which is. Is probably why Phil and I love old shows like you know Andy Griffith, one one of Phil's favorites. Oh yeah, and even though she wasn't the maid, in a way she was Aunt B. Aunt B. Yeah, Aunt B, Aunt which B. is Phil's favorite swear word. That's right. I love Aunt B. <laughs> Aunt B is awesome, but yeah, you know she she kind of kept it together. And there was a lot of others back then. Uh, Alice of the Brady Bunch. Alice of the Brady Bunch. And she she kind of kept the family kept together. The, yep, loved Alice. Yeah, there's a lot of great ones back then. I can't remember all their names right now, but. I remember a lot, a lot of great shows, but that's kind of what we loved about it. Is that was as a child, you could sit in front of that show, and your parents didn't have to worry about anything. If you know, if I was a parent, I mean, I'm I'm old enough; I should have teenagers. Uh, if I was a parent, boy, I'd tell you, I'd have to be restrictive because there's shows that, and there's shows even that I like to watch that I I would not want to have a child see. Yeah, same here. Some of it. Um, so, but anyways, yeah, we don't want to get into social issues here. We're all about having fun here. But yeah, I, I, I really miss the bygone days. And that's what this show is about, is remembering stuff as we were childhood and how sweet and wonderful and innocent we could be as children and try to recapture a little bit of that. And I hope we've done that for you by going through these old 80s shows. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you've kind of went back with us, had some fun, remembered how much fun you used to have watching some of these shows. Hopefully you did watch some of these. If you didn't watch any of these, then... Uh, I'm sorry. You can find them on YouTube, perhaps, or yeah, other YouTube the things. Uh, I don't want to plug too much on like Hulu or Netflix because they're not a sponsor yet. Uh, <laughs> I am working on that. I uh, I will get them to sponsor, but we do have one sponsor. Let me remind you one more time about AudibleTrial.com/slash/NeverlandPodcast to get your free trial and a free audiobook download for your your Kindle, your iPhone, uh, your iPod, whatever you want. Download you an audiobook. Um, now, also some good reminders. You can find us on Facebook, Facebook slash, you know, The Neverland Podcast. Give us a search for The Neverland Podcast. You'll find us. Also on Twitter at uh, at Neverland P, the letter P, Neverland P cast on Twitter. Send me a tweet. Tell me some fun childhood memories, suggestions for the show, something you loved, a toy that you were, a toy series. We're going to talk about He-Man eventually. Tell me something about something you loved as a child that you want to have us talk about. Or tell me what you thought about this show. Did you enjoy some other shows? Is there a show we neglected to mention? Probably. Probably <laughs> is. Uh, and plus, also let me know what you think about having my wife host some shows to talk about stuff like My Little Pony. Uh, I don't think we're going to talk about Barbie. She doesn't want to, but yeah, we should give it a little mention because, uh, you know, people grew up with that, I'm yeah, sure. There's people, probably lots of people with fond memories of Rainbow Barbie. Rainbow Bright. Yeah. Well, we can talk. She had a Rainbow Bright. I bet we could love to talk Robert about Robert Shortcake. Yeah. A lot of old, great, and there's probably a lot of shows for girls that, <laughs> that, that somebody would want to mention, and we can do some research and we can talk about just let us know. In fact, send me an email, podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. Send me an email. Also, don't forget you can find us on both iTunes and Stitcher. And while you're on iTunes and Stitcher, please go into their you know various store or whatever. Find the show. Give me a review. It helps more people find the show. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Share with us on Twitter. Share about us on Facebook. Get links to the site. Let everybody know the fun we're having. Reliving our childhoods. And even talking, you know, hopefully, let me know what you thought about the new segment where we're going to talk about some comic book movies or even some other movies that, uh, you know, as a... A, a, a man child or whatever <laughs> that we can enjoy like uh you know some disney animated features i just mentioned frozen hey go see frozen it's good i've already reserved my copy wasn't you know it's not my favorite disney movie the island especially for the year frozen actually has got a, a uh, academy nomination uh, for a couple of things for best animated and for the song let it go i like um but uh i liked monsters university better and i feel like they got snubbed I'm a Pixar geek. I love about everything Pixar. Brave was 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 good. I liked Brave, yeah, it's but it's, right. it's, it was all right compared to something like Monsters University. You know, most of Pixar stuff, I just gaga over. I love everything they're doing, and I'm so happy to have them actually part of the Disney family with John Lasseter and there in the animation. And um, 
But yeah, I kind of feel bad that Monsters University not even nominated, and Saving Mr. Banks didn't even get nominated. Oh, great film! Will make you cry, but great film. Yeah. Um. But whoa, my screen went blank. Oh, there we go. <laughs> my screensaver was starting up. Okay, I hadn't touched anything for a while. Anyway, so but that's all we have for today for the Neverland podcast. Hope you had fun. Let me know how much fun you're having. Go buy a butler. Go get yourself a butler. Uh, yes, I, I actually could use one. The studio is a mess. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, remember every day to sprinkle a little bit of pixie dust, in your, uh, dust into your life. Bring out that little childlike sense of fun and just have a good attitude and smile at somebody just for the sake of smiling and saying good morning. All right, bye now. Have a good one.